This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hello, this is Linda Tuck Chapman. I'm president of Antala Performance Solutions and an expert in third-party risk management. I'm coming to you with a podcast on third-party risk management and the impact of COVID-19 in the RMA's podcast series. So I'd like to cover four topics today. The first is working from home from before your third parties. As we know, governments in many countries are asking or ordering employees to self-isolate or quarantine themselves. But your agreements may require pre-approval with changes in service delivery location and be actually silent on working from home. So offshore vendors are reaching out proactively to seek uh, approval for invoking their pandemic plans, and in some cases specifically seeking approval to allow their employees to work from home. Domestic vendors have not been found to be taking this action in general. So if you have a work from home situation for a critical third party, here are some recommended actions. First of all, you may want to identify all third parties that have access to sensitive information and non-public personal information, NPPI, and support critical activities, networks, or systems. You want to verify that the third party's contact information is current. And this is really to stay in touch, but also if you have an employee calling from home on a personal phone and purporting to be with a third party, you can check in with them to make sure that uh, this is a legitimate call. Work from home employees generally have access to your company's systems and protected data. And some of them may have access directly to your systems and data. So you need to find out which scenario it is that's been enacted. So once you know who you want to deal with, you want to have a look at the pandemic plans for all high risk and critical vendors. This is really where your focus should start and you should ask them to summarize their actions. And a good way to do this, or at least get started, it was a simple COVID-19 response survey. Just ask five or six questions and send it out to all, or perhaps just your most critical uh, third parties in your portfolio. Some of the things you should think about asking is, do you have a pandemic plan? Have you enacted it? Are your employees working from home? And are you monitoring your critical third parties, which are your critical fourth parties? And you can expect a good response rate. Based on the responses, you can decide what action to take next. So I'd like to give some recommended work from home controls for your third parties. So you want to, might want to consider actually amending your contracts to permit work from home on a case-by-case basis with specific controls around things like access and printing from home, etc. You really want to be flexible for your important third parties and particularly vendors supporting critical activities and systems like POS systems or fraud control. You want to set expectations and communicate specific policies that, you, that your company has in place for your own work from home employees, such as a dedicated workspace, clean desk policy, etc. You may want to ask their CISO to remind their employees and their third parties, their own third parties, that hackathists are really taking full advantage of the control deficiencies in this opportunity and insider threats are on the rise. You want to request that their employees acknowledge and attest to compliance with their or your code of conduct and risk management policies. And in some cases, it may be in your best interest to simply supply your third parties with monitors, call recording technology, and other desktop materials for their own work from home home employees, particularly with your uh, smaller third parties. So you should require all devices are logged in by the third party and, and, and you should be notified of them when they're issued to an employee, regardless of who they belong to. All desktop and laptop devices should be imaged to your requirements. 
You can buy software that's an always on VPN. So every time the device is turned on, uh, so will the controls, which is a good practice. You may decide that you want a senior executive on your team to improve all work uh, from home requests. And think about having the work from home employees acknowledge the control requirements via individual attestation. Now, having said that, some uh, firms are not allowing uh, offshore employees to work from home if they have access to NPPI. This means that employees have to come in the office or the vendor must shift their work to in-house staff. So one way you could do this is to ask your legal team to graph, craft legal letters asking the critical third parties to request to be designated as an essential service by their government or minister of health. This has proven to be a successful strategy and it allows the third party to remain open for business as usual. Word of caution, you're not going to get a full staff. Some other words of caution, uh, a VPN is really the preferred networking option for net work from home employees. As this is a sister size environment, there really is a higher level of comfort around uh, access to your MPPI. You want, to, uh, you want to note that there's a limited ability to screen calls and the work environment, and there's really no capacity for additional monitoring. You may be able to rely on your third parties to implement and manage uh, things like call sc uh, screening or keystroke monitoring, but don't count on it. Now, you should really bear in mind that your customer experience is really important when your third parties implement work from home for high-risk activities, particularly fraud monitoring or dealing with risk events. And you want to stay focused on your existing risk monitoring, so you don't let the controls degrade wherever possible. My second topic is geographic concentration risk. So many firms already know the service delivery location and it's recorded in their uh, third-party risk management system. But if you don't have it today, it's gonna be awfully difficult to get it from your third parties because they're working hard just to keep the lights on. So this information may also be available from some of your internal vendor or third-party relationship managers. But if the third party of the activity isn't critical, it's unlikely you'll have to do anything anyways. And also, it's kind of unclear whether the information is really useful at all because we have a global pandemic. Now, we do see that contact centers are generally meeting SLAs domestically, but you want to make sure that you get updates from them daily to make sure that they're still going to be able to continue. We are seeing that outsourced call center operations in offshore locations are becoming problematic, particularly in Manila, which is the most highly concentrated area for call centers. Manila is on 100% lockdown. So many firms also receive services from India and they're being monitored closely. Generally speaking, there's not really too many issues today. So back to contact centers, you may want to think about moving yours in-house. A lot of firms have done this. It's really kind of the beauty of retaining at least some of your contact uh, center operations internally. So these uh, firms are using branch or other employees because they already know your products and services. They just need to know how to use your, your software. You also might want to consider repatriating some of your overnight processing, such as error corrections for certain transactions, to uh, the vendor's U.S. operations or uh, Canadian-based operations, whichever country you're in. But you have to be open to stepping down your SLA requirements. But you have to also look at the extent of the delays on, uh, on processing and what the impact will be. So the RMA has done a couple of surveys. I'm going to just give you some results. Well, if one question is, have you negotiated or forced any vendors to move service delivery uh, from offshore to a domestic location? 16% said yes, 40% said no, and 24% said they weren't too sure. Second question, is your firm planning to transition any service delivery locations from countries with higher numbers of confirmed cases of COVID-19 to a quote-unquote lower risky geography? 14% uh, said yes, 
55% said no and 20 or 32% said not sure. So there's still a lot of a lot of things in play right now and this is a pretty small sample size. I'd like to go on to financial health. We know that the data points in financial health risk ratings that, are, that you buy from risk rating agencies and other subscription services are historical data. So they really cannot be relied on in the same way as they were prior to the pandemic. So when you're thinking about financial health and what you want to do about it, first of all, look at the criticality of the activity, the risk profile of the activity. So are they doing financial transaction processing, wire transfers, anything that could really cost you money if it goes wrong? What's the impact on your revenue in the event of a material failure? Uh, you can quickly pick out relationships with short recovery time objectives uh, from, your, from your BCP uh, data. And you can also look in the relationships that already had poor financial health risk ratings, those that are kind of yellow or red. Now, you, when you're looking at what data you already have that you could filter and analyze your portfolio and start building some ad hoc reporting, you do have NACE codes or SIC codes somewhere. Uh, geo codes, you know what tier they are in terms of criticality. You know an inherent risk rating. You may know a residual risk rating. You already have a financial health risk rating. Uh, do they have access to NPPI? What's the recovery time objective? So this allows you to start to filter through and figure out what's important and where do you want to spend your energy. And when you do, build yourself some reusable reports, preferably in flexible tools like Tableau or Spotfire. They can intake data from multiple systems and sources, both in real-time batch and from external sources and internal sources. So here's a response to a recent RMA survey question. How are you identifying critical third parties at greatest risk of a serious business interruption or failure due to poor financial health related to COVID-19? 32% said they already are identifying third parties, uh, critical third parties with high-risk SIC codes. Don't forget, you have credit departments, most of you. Um, second one is alerts from financial health subscription services. Uh, that was 37% and 32% said not sure. Back to, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. So the last topic I'm going to touch on very briefly is service quality, because I would like to cover it in more detail in a future podcast. So in the interim, here are the results from a recent RMA survey to members. Uh, one, is your firm uh, enforcing contractual SLAs and penalties during the pandemic? 58% said yes or selectively with approved exceptions. 11% uh, said no and 32% said not sure. Second and last question, are you experiencing serious SLA misses with your tier two or tier three third party uh, or vendors related to COVID-19 related issues? 31% uh, said yes, 32% said no, and 27% said I don't know. So this is Linda Tuck-Chaman for RMA podcast series. Thanks for listening and I hope to speak with you again. Thank you for listening to our podcasts. Whether you're a regular listener or a first-time listener, if you enjoy our podcasts, please provide a favorable rating on iTunes. Thank you.